I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Yeah, so this should be fun. We're glad to have you on, Kenneth. Um, I've been following following along your journey um, quite a while, and it's been pretty awesome to watch. You start out with Vim, and now you're building a platform kind of around that slip. So yeah, thanks for being on here to chat with us. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Uh, I've actually been following you before you were <laughs> oh. following me, I think, actually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, so yeah. Cool. That's that's great to hear. So uh, Ben, uh, you think we got some some good questions for Kenneth? We, we have a good uh, topic discussion. You think? Yep, we should we should just jump into it. <laughs> so I, I think we had some people already ask us like some questions about you, Kenneth, that they wanted to know, and kind of going back to the the beginning of it because I think you you. Uh, You've mentioned that you've been indie hacking. You've been working on some businesses in the past that maybe didn't work out. Like, how did you get started back then? And, and what were some of those projects you started out with? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I, get, I think a good place to kind of like start with the story is that, um, so I took a non-traditional path into tech. So before I was a software engineer, I spent six years in the trades. And before that, I was uh, studying music education. Um, so when I was in the trades, I was just kind of like looking for a new career. I thought I wanted to do some kind of engineering and I was like keeping my eyes open for like different opportunities. And, um, I, I was always like a do it yourself type of person, like work with my hands, like build things. And I like hung out on the Reddit DIY subreddit a lot and people were building these like really cool kegerators, um, which if you don't know, it's like a, uh, device that you build out of like a, 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 like a chest freezer and you put kegs of beer in it and you put a tap and you, uh, uh, you know, can dispense beer, but people are using like raspberry pies to put like displays and like showing like how many cups of beers were left. And like, I knew nothing about technology and I was just like, man, that's cool. Uh, and so I was like, read the guy's post and he, he talked about using raspberry Pi, which is like this microcomputer. And mm-hmm. I just ordered one off Amazon one day and uh, it got to my house and I was like, all right, cool. So like, how do I do this now? And I was just going to like figure it out as I, as I went. And so uh, people are saying like, okay, well first like you need to maybe learn some Python, like, you know, start simple, try to make some lights blink. And so that's what I did. And uh, then I like accidentally just like got into like web development and like really liked programming <laughs> and I never built the kegerator. So, <laughs> so I, I just saw like how powerful programming was. And like one of the first things I did was like help my dad automate part of his business. And so my dad's an electrician and that's kind of how I got into the trades too. Um, Cause I, you know, grew up, you know, helping him in the summers, like crawling in attics and like running cable and stuff. And uh, I, I ended up doing maintenance at a gas station company for six years. So I did like, electrical ac i did plumbing pulled urinals off the wall to grab people's like keys that they flushed down and it was it was terrible but it was cool uh and uh so what man i lost my train of thought i was like well so you're a handyman basically is what you're saying yeah basically you know pretty <laughs> you handy. got you got started into tech uh, by wanting to build a kegerator. Yeah, and I, I never built the kegerator. That's, that's pretty uh, unique. <laughs> yeah, I, I accidentally got a software engineering job instead. Uh, so I need to get back to that kegerator at some point so I can go back to my maintenance job. <laughs> um, so anyway, one of the first things I built uh, was my dad's electrician. And one of the ways that he got a lot of business was he would directly mail 
um, people who pulled out like recent permits like on uh, commercial jobs so like a uh, general contractor would pull a permit and my dad would go in like the public permit listings and like copy and paste uh, like their address and then he would email them and so mm -hmm. I was like a pretty new programmer but I was like I bet I could automate this and like the, the return on investment is like huge like if you like for him and so like he would like spend like days collecting like 50 60 70 emails and emailing out these people and sometimes he would get some jobs that were worth like forty fifty thousand dollars um so oh. i yeah so i automated for him and uh ended up you know working pretty good and that's and i was like man there's like so much opportunity to like make software for small trades company um there i guess there is but <laughs> i did i never had any success with it so i i built a couple different projects um like in that space one of the first projects i built was this project that would scrape um like from this database that showed like 911 call recordings but it categorized them so you can do things like uh 911 call recordings about like fire damaged properties and so I built a service that would scrape that website and find the addresses of like houses that like recently like had a fire damage to them. And then I would sell like automated mailing, like physical mail, like via this API to contractors. If that sounds confusing, it's because it's, it, it is. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it was like hard to explain like the value prop to. Um, so I only ever had one customer for one month. He paid me like a hundred dollars. He sent me a check in the mail, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and, and then after that I didn't make any money uh, online for the next four years and I tried various different uh, you know like yeah. software in that same kind of space I could see what you're saying though like it seems like there probably is a lot of opportunity for making processes better in like the trade space and like <clears throat> I'm sure they're like all using like pen and paper or something still and there's probably ways you can automate a lot of that like you're saying and so so maybe the the problem or the the hard part is just getting those people to change is that is that right yeah i think there was a couple problems i think like for me like there wasn't really like a founder audience like fit um so like the that audience like they want to be on the phone like a lot like if they like if you cold email them like most of the time they'll be like yeah, just, just give me a call. Let's chat about it. And they want to like talk like so much. And it's like, if you're an indie hacker and you're like super time constrained, like choosing an audience that just like everyone wants to talk on the phone and they want you to follow up and they don't want to buy immediately. And you want to like, and then like the, the price of, and they're like price sensitive too is like, mm -hmm. it just wasn't like the right fit for me. I think like if you, I think that there are like successful companies like in that space, like Jobber is a really popular one. They like make the software that's really easy to like schedule like uh, service appointments and stuff. So like people like lawn care companies, electricians, plumbers use them. It makes it really easy to like accept payments and that kind of thing. So, so that's like a really successful business. But like from but they do like a lot of like outbound sales. They have like a big sales force and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, it's almost like I guess it's like more like kind of like the B two B like outbound sales process. And like I just couldn't I couldn't do that with full time job and kids and. And a lot of that time, I actually was going to school at the same time because I I was working in the trades. I started programming, and then I went back to school part time while I was working full time. Okay, so this was when you started like learning to do programming stuff. This was like back in your like early twenties, or uh, so I'm 27 right now. I'm about to be 28. So I started programming when I was 24. I went to I started going back to school that same year. I went for a few years. I, okay. I got a software job, and I 
dropped out. Uh, so I actually dropped out of college twice, like once for music ed and once for computer science. Uh, <laughs> so uh, nice. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a way, maybe I could drop out another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might as well make it make a record out of it. So you, so you did go back to school for software development and. Was that helpful? I mean, obviously you dropped out, so maybe it wasn't that helpful, but did you learn a lot doing that? Yeah, so one of the most helpful things that, or, so overall, yes, but the most helpful thing wasn't the classes, it was this programming club I joined. So there was like a programming club on campus and it was pretty much like an indie hacker club, to be honest. Like there was a bunch of like people building their own projects <laughs> and stuff. And uh, a few guys from the club actually have their own like profitable software businesses. Like a couple guys made this business called Gozova and they they raise like a round and stuff. And they're, what they do is they make it really easy, like move things. So you can think kind of like Uber for like moving companies. Um, and so they're growing like really fast. They have like 10 people. Um, but those, those are people I was like hanging out with and they kind of just showed me like, oh, like you don't have to like wait till you take some certain class before you make like a software business. Like you don't have to like graduate, go to work somewhere for a couple years before you can like build something useful. You can like, you can literally just like go learn it right now and do it. And so like hanging out with those people, um, you know, just like really changed like my mindset about like what was possible and like the pacing, because like if I would have like level set against like some of my classmates like they were like barely even like like barely even interested in programming at all you know like they were just like kind of going through the motions so like by getting in with that group of people you know it really kind of like accelerated you know like my learning for sure yeah yeah from my experience like having some like motivation or like some project that i really wanted to build like helped me learn so much more kind of than school did like in some ways that motivated me in school to like learn the stuff as well because I knew like okay this will help me do those things I want to be able to build and create um but yeah if you have something that's like directly related to like okay if I learn this thing then I can use it to build uh in this project or create something and it yeah it just motivates you so much more um <clears throat> yeah so okay so going kind of the next I think what would be next like when did you get into like the Twitter scene and like when did Vim come around when did you start getting into to that yeah so I had been like semi-active on indie hackers for a while and I I was like I, I finally decided like I had enough about enough like trying to build things for tradespeople. I was like okay this sucks like <laughs> let me try like a different audience that's more like available on the internet and that like I could that's like ready to buy and I was like well why don't I just build something for developers like I I'm a developer I buy things like from developers all the time like I don't even think twice about buying a course or buying like some SaaS from people like I just it's it's so easy to buy and like developers I think uh like John uh from Banner Bear uh, made a post I think it was him but he made a post about like how developers are like such a great audience for like indie hackers and stuff because they like like they're consumers, but they have like high disposable income. They're like ready to buy and they understand, you know, buying digital products and stuff. So, so uh, yeah, so I decided, you know, build something for developers. And I was asking on Indie Hackers, uh, like what's the best way to like find like the developer audience? Like where's the best place to sell to them? And uh, a couple guys, Gabe from DevJoy. Oh yeah. Jurgely, Jurgely, a rose. Uh, he's like he used to work at Uber. He makes uh, YouTube videos about like the European like salary market and stuff. He's pretty big on uh, 
Uh on Twitter too. But both of them were like, you should join Twitter. Like Twitter is like the number one place. And I was like, what about LinkedIn? Like LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, no, not LinkedIn. Um, And uh, so I joined Twitter. LinkedIn's where we just uh, hide from being spanned by uh, recruiters. (laughs) Right, right. Um, So, so yeah, I joined Twitter in October of last year, and I like immediately started with the Delta Public thing. And so, actually, before them, there's a couple different projects. So. The main project I was working on was called Deliberate Python, and I ended up changing it to just Deliberate. And it was basically like a slip course. It was its own slip course. So it's like an online interactive programming course where you can learn Python fundamentals. And so I worked on that for a couple months. I did the build in public, and it, it was going all right. You know, I got a couple hundred followers. And then I saw Damon Chen, another uh, Twitter guy, indie hacker. Uh, he posted this thing that he like built like five projects that all made no money and then he took three days and pivoted and made like four grand in a day and I was like man that's awesome and so <laughs> so I spent like four three or four months building deliberate and I released it um, but there wasn't really enough content on the site that I felt comfortable like charging so I just like made it free and so I got like a hundred something users and people are like using it and they liked it and I was like, all right, cool. Let me take like a break from my side project and like do this Damon Chen thing. And like, I'll make a one-time sale project. And so I just like copy pasted a whole bunch of the code from Deliberate to make vim.so. And uh, it took three days and then I made 10 grand on my first month. And I was like, oh, this is really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And so just so everyone knows, vim.so is a one-time course like you're saying but it's it's also an interactive course but for learning vim right yeah so you you basically pay 25 bucks there's 10 lessons and it's like all the useful things that i learned like over the course of like a year learning vim but just like distilled down it's like easy in browser like code examples so like you and it's like kind of like gamified so like it tells you like to do like certain vim commands and then you complete them and then it, like you can compete with yourself and see like how fast you can complete them and stuff and uh, people seem to really like the interact interactiveness of it it's, it's been pretty cool yeah yeah so I have to say just because I, I'm prideful that uh, I was one of your first uh, paying customers I think I bought it back when you were selling it like eight dollars <laughs> and uh, I actually still I'm sorry but I still haven't taken it um, I haven't done the course you know what's funny is uh, like 800 something people have bought it now and like if I go on plausible and like look at the analytics to see like how many like page views uh, like certain courses and stuff have, like hardly anyone's like finished the whole thing. Like there, there's probably yeah. like a hundred something people that have finished the whole course. And like overall, like I there's probably like two three hundred people that have like bought it and like haven't even like started. So I think a lot of people <laughs> but, buy like educational programming content like aspirationally, like the same way you yeah. buy like a gym membership or something. You're like. Yeah, like I could totally imagine like I'm going to be like a badass like Vim guy after this and then you'd like never get to it. And I, I'm guilty of the same thing. I've done the same thing for sure. I, I am going to take it though. Um, <laughs> it's For me, it's just like finding the right time where like, all right, I really want to spend the time invest into learning Vim well. And I'm just so busy. I haven't got to that point, but I will. I, I promise you. Sweet, <laughs> sweet. Yeah, looking forward to hearing what you think about it. Um, yeah. But a little bit more about the Vim thing is that uh, – so like I've seen people post like this, like more and more people post lately like that the four hour work week like doesn't exist and stuff and like honestly like Vim the Vim project's like been so good like 
it makes about a hundred dollars a day and i probably spend like one to two hours a week on it and it's yeah. just like it's just like printing money in the background <laughs> which feels <laughs> awesome after like four years of like making no money and like spending like this enormous amount of time like just like doing no revenue <laughs> So obviously, you know, in the beginning, you got your first customers, I think, through people seeing what you're doing on Twitter, through Hacker News, you posted, I think you posted something on like the Reddit uh, programming subreddit. And then did you do a product hunt as well? Yeah, I did product hunt. So I did. Uh, uh, so like doing them as a product was actually kind of like a superpower, I feel like, because like it's something developers like love to argue about. So it just like drove engagement because like it reached the top of hacker news and i think i made like almost two grand in one day and it was like at a lower price point back then i think it was like 15 bucks and people were just like there's like hundreds of comments people like arguing about like how awesome vim is or like how it's so pointless <laughs> yeah. to learn and like it's not like your typing speed isn't like what holds you back like you have to think faster and like all this like arguing <laughs> and, stuff. And, it's like, and, it, and i'm just like sitting back like watching it and uh you know i, I have my own opinions for sure about it but uh and the same thing, like wherever I posted, like on Reddit, they they argued about it. And people upvoted it. People, some people were like, "This is the stupidest idea. You can learn Vim for free." Other people were like, "Think about the Ugandan children because like the Vim guy says like you should donate to like this Ugandan charity if you like Vim," and I didn't. <clears throat> um, so there was like all, all kinds of comments. Like some people thought it was cool. Some people thought it was so stupid. Um, so, but yeah. but the point is like it was like picking like the right thing to teach like if i if i would have released like the python course like on hacker news i think it wouldn't even have gotten upvotes because it's like cool python fundamentals like who cares yeah yeah i feel like the the idea <clears throat> kind of going back to two things you said i feel like the idea really is so important i mean there is this argument you know between entrepreneurs of like okay the idea or execution um and i think i mean obviously both are really important but I think for what you're talking about, like basically building a product and a business that's kind of like just sits there on the back burner, but still makes a lot of money. Like, I feel like the idea of what you build there is like so important. It has to be the right idea that doesn't take a lot of like support uh, and a lot of work in the background for you to keep it going. Um, but at the same time, be like valuable. And it's like if you can find something like that, which, you know, maybe those kind of ideas are kind of hard or, or rare to find you can find something that's like the the four hour work week dream uh which is pretty cool because it seems like you you kind of found something like that yeah and i mean it, it doesn't make enough money to like you know where i can quit my job or anything like that but you know an right, extra, right. extra three thousand dollars a month is like very meaningful for sure like pays like the mortgage and some bills so it's like you know right mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. um and and so now um after you've like launched and stuff like where do you think most people are finding vim.so now yeah so i can actually like see that like in the plausible analytics so uh the still the number one driver of traffic is just twitter so people click on it through my profile and buy it um the second biggest source is like direct traffic and then it, it gets about like 50 to 60 google clicks a day which is nice it's starting to like go up and uh, another big source of traffic is uh, I sponsor Fast API. It's like a backend Python framework. And I get like a thousand views a month or something. And I, I sponsor them at $250 a month. So it, it basically pays for itself, like with a conversion rate. So I don't really like end up making any money, but it just like, you know, 
like having that link on their site like provides like you know the domain authority and like just gets the word out more so i think over time you know like the seo could grow and it could end up making like two or three hundred dollars a day yeah yeah that's pretty awesome and i i wonder with with the success that it had why would you or what's the thought process behind you know it's switching it to slip and not just produce another course like like vim.so yeah so i i so it's kind of a funny story like how i thought of like doing slips so i really released vim.so and i had a whole bunch of people reach out and say like man this was like a really like interesting way to like learn things can you make a course like on bash or can you make a course on git can you make a course on like you know like doing like fractions in ruby or like can you make a course on like and they kept asking for like more and more things and i was like in my head i was like hell yeah like i'm gonna make like 15 courses that all make like a hundred dollars a day and it's gonna be great um but then i found and then i started thinking more and i was like well like uh i, I watched this like adam like Wathen, Wathen, the tailwind guy. I don't, I don't know. Wathen. Yeah. I watched this video about his, uh, like, info. Like, he has a microconf video about, like, promoting an info product. And uh, I thought I did, like, really well with them. Like, I made 10 grand my first month. He made, like, 60 grand in his first day. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, there's, there's, like, much better, smarter, more capable people than me that, like, want to teach things. But the problem is that it takes like it's it's significant work like just building the the stuff that lets you do it. So like, I was only able to make Vim the SO like in three days because I spent four months like building the deliberate. And so I thought it was like a more powerful idea like with much bigger potential um, and also like the recurring revenue side of it to build Slip like which is a platform that lets you build these types of courses. Yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're, you're getting all this inbound requests and you're like, maybe I should just make it so everyone can do this and I can just sit here in the background and have the, the SaaS that's running it all, right? And uh, yeah, so I thought about that and I put put the idea out and a couple of people were like, don't don't get distracted. Like maybe like go back to your Python thing. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, is it sounds like a good idea in my head, but all those trade companies sounded like a good idea in my head too, and they made exactly zero dollars. So, so I put a landing page up, and uh, I, I think that's kind of what like made me really go like tackle the problem. Is I got like hundreds of signups like in a few days, and then by the time I launched, which was like I think a month and a half after I like you know put the landing page up, like I had like eight hundred people on the sign up list and like people were just like messaging me asking me like if they could have access and stuff so so it felt like a lot of pull like in a way that i never felt like with any other project so it, it definitely feels like the much bigger opportunity versus uh you know focusing on like you know improving seo on vim or whatever yeah basically you're handing out the fisher poles instead of giving people the fish <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it seems to me so a couple of things I really like about Slip um, that I think kind of going back to like an idea for an indie hacker, like I feel like it's just perfect. Like I think that the pro consumer space, which is kind of, yeah, it's kind of like what you're in, like you're, you're selling to people that are then going to use your tool to then like make money. Like I think it's perfect because one pro consumers like are easy to reach out to. It's not like it's a B2B where you're like, getting on the phone and like doing sales, calling people and spending tons of time like that, which usually like indie hackers are not that, <laughs> that good at. Um, 
but then it's also it's people that are willing to put out money like they're they're willing to pay because they know oh i'll make i'll make even more money from this so they they kind of see it as something that's as an investment and so then you can charge more for it and so it's not one of those other products where you can hardly charge anything because it's just like a a hobby for them or something like that um so i feel like it's it's a really that's like the perfect kind of space or territory of like kind of idea for indie hackers i think and that's i mean that's awesome that that you landed into that yeah i mean it kind of like just all happened by accident it's not like i had like this grand scheme of like I'm going to build this course and like use it to like promote like my and grow like my Twitter account so I can have this following and do, like it just kind of like you know came from iterating and you know I've seen other indie hackers say that like you know like if you just keep iterating on something like you're going to find something eventually like as long as you don't like don't give up and like you learn from like what you do um so yeah and that that's a lesson I learned like the whole like being close to how the end user makes money like if you can help them make money and the closer you can get to like that in their head like the easier it is to sell to them so like it's harder to sell like hey i'm gonna like optimize your conversions versus like hey if you use my thing you're gonna like directly use it to make money um so yeah, yeah. so so yeah i mean i i feel like it's a it, it's been really good so far it's been growing uh a lot faster than i expected and uh it's it's been very cool to see so far. Yeah, yeah for sure so uh your twitter growth uh, and you you know you talked about that being one of your your biggest channels that has obviously been helpful to the success of your businesses so how do you how do you think about twitter how have you grown your twitter and like how yeah how do you look at that and what you're doing there yeah so um i'm honestly like i don't really put too much thought into it like when I first started, I had a couple hundred followers and like that happened just kind of like organically, like on the platform. Um, and I, you know, it was just like talking about what I was doing and I bought a couple of Twitter courses and I like, I bought one from uh, Santiago. He's like big in the machine learning space. And uh, I bought like Daniel uh, Vasalo's. Oh yeah, yeah, Daniel, yeah, that's a good one. And the main two things I took from them were like Daniel talks about like uh, you should like do things that are like kind of like unusual that people don't share and stuff like that. So like uh, an easy like hack for that for like any hackers is like showing your revenue numbers. Um, and like I, a lot of pe- people have like different opinions about it. But I for me, I've always loved seeing people's revenue numbers. Like even before I was mm-hmm. making money, like I really like seeing it on indie hackers. That's kind of what got me super interested in like making like an independent software business was like oh, like you can make like a legit living off of like this tool that like removes a background from an image or like, you know, whatever yeah. random things. I'm like, oh, this guy's making like $30,000 a month from like this like Slack uh, integration or whatever. And I was like really motivated by that. So I really like that. I like the whole like open startup idea. Um, and so, you know, I post screenshots of my <laughs> revenue probably too much. Um, but uh so that's probably like one way that i've grown it um the other thing that i learned from those twitter courses was like to be interesting on twitter you have to do interesting things like off twitter like if you're not like building something or like doing something interesting like in your day life like it's gonna be really hard to like come up with content every day and like if my job was like to create twitter content like i don't think i would be very good at it you know unless unless i just kept doing the same thing i was doing you know uh, but if I was like supposed to like sit at Twitter and just like come up with stuff to say or like create these threads like I don't know like for me that just hasn't worked like I just like build things I like, take screenshots and videos and I um, you know put them on Twitter 
Oh, on the video side, I think a really cool hack is like buying a good video editor. So I bought ScreenFlow uh, at the end of last year. And uh, I noticed like when I post videos with ScreenFlow, like people always comment like, what video editor is that? That looks so awesome. Or like, like you can make like really cool yeah. videos that like pan and zoom and stuff like really easily. And it was like, I think $200, but I think for sure it's like paid for itself. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think at least in like the Twitter maker sphere, which we're pretty much all in on Twitter, uh, all you have to do, I mean, which is it's not hard, it's not easy to do. But if you have a business that's doing well and you're posting numbers, that's pretty much that's all you need to do. <laughs> and you'll start growing on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So I, I made the Vim thing. I think when I released it, I had like seven or eight hundred followers and I was growing at like, I don't know, 20 maybe 20 a day, like on a good day or something. And uh, then I released Vim and I remember I posted like my first screenshot of like my first $8 and it like, all of a sudden I had like 1500 followers. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> and uh, I kept posting and like that first month went really well. And like, I just kept like my Twitter growth kind of followed like the growth of Vim at the same time. So it worked out pretty good. Yeah, I think you're, you're very, you're spot on with basically like well at least i mean this is what i know about like the the maker kind of world on twitter like you have to be doing interesting stuff first like in real life before people are really going to care and uh, daniel talks about this in his course like basically credibility like you have to have credibility for people to be interested and want to follow along and i, I noticed like for me that's also kind of when i started growing i think like the first thing i did that really start like i got a ton of uh, followers and then started kind of going from there was when I did the 40 hour um, what was that called Ben <laughs> or basically I just worked like 40 hours for free for somebody it was like a 40 hour giveaway yeah, and yeah. I just oh, yeah. someone's business once I did that that was like something unique and different and then I started to like to grow so like yeah, I feel like I, I have people coming and like asking like, okay, how do you build in public or how do you like grow your following on Twitter? And yeah, I guess I don't really know how to just do it. Kind of like you're saying, Kenneth, just like on your own. Like there are people that like they're they're putting out tips and knowledge and stuff like that. But yeah, for me, it's more just like do some interesting things and then just like talk about what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. And, and that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think the whole like, you know tip space is almost like a commodity there's like so so many people doing like look at these like five javascript tips and like for some people it works really great like you know the people that are already visible like i think they're like growing yeah. fast and they get like hundreds of comments and stuff when they're like posting their javascript tips but then you see like 50 other like accounts that are like you know in the hundreds and they're doing the same and they just like stay in the hundreds it's like there's a lot more interesting things that you can do than like tell me about like how the map function works, like how like everyone else is doing. Like you could like yeah, go build something yeah. cool or like do something interesting. And it doesn't like it doesn't even have to be like that like technically challenging or crazy. Like like that 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 guy that like built like the McDonald's ice cream thing. Did you see that? Like he built this like web app that showed you like whether an ice cream machine was broken at McDonald's or not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> From like not many followers to like thirty thousand, like from that one project, <laughs> and uh, yeah. that, I mean that's something you can hack together like in a weekend. Like there's ideas like that. Like if you're really focused on like how to grow your Twitter, like I think like making these like meme projects is like a interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. 
Um, okay, so going back to Slip, um, you're, what, like a month in now uh, since you kind of launched it? Is that right? Yeah, so uh, in eight days, it'll be one month. So I, I launched on March awesome. 9th. Yeah. And you're at around like $700 MRR or something like that? Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I think that was the last thing I saw that you posted was like around like 670 or yeah it's like 677 or something like that yeah but but that's i mean that's fast like that's that's pretty good to less than a month get to that quick of mrr like that's that's really quick um yeah it's fast i haven't seen many indie hackers get that fast in a SaaS. um i don't know if i've ever seen that (laughs) yeah so like if you're an investor and you're listening uh yeah, <laughs> just like play, play that sentence back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's been really cool, and like, I think it's like you were saying, like it's just like an idea that kind of checks all the right boxes, and like, like sometimes like you can force something to grow, but like it it feels awesome like having like some pull from the market, and I think like there's like a couple of like reasons why it's happening, like. One that someone pointed out to me, actually, Jurgely in a DM was like, he's like, a, probably a big part of like the growth is that developers have more free time now. Like they don't have like commutes. A lot of them like only work a couple hours a day because, you know, like you can get, like if you're a good developer and like you work in like a relaxed environment, a lot of times you can get your whole work day done like in a couple hours. And so mm-hmm. like these developers like have like this abundance of free time and they're seeing like people like Josh Camo making like 500 grand like and with his course or like all these people making money like teaching programming. And so it's something that people are just like really interested in right now. So there's like that, there's like the whole like creator economy kind of thing becoming normalized. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's been pretty incredible to see it grow so fast for sure. Um, I, I think it has like some good potential. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's so, it's awesome that you have your own. Sorry, Ben. Uh, you have your own uh, use case with Vim. So, and just basically saying like, look, th- like I did it. This is like a use case showing you can make a lot of money with something like this. Uh, you go and you go and do it too. Yeah, for sure. What were you gonna say, Ben? Uh, so, so basically, the long term goal right now is keep it keep keep added and make a full time living of that, right? Yeah, for sure. Like I I actually like really want to quit my job like rather soon um i i think i think the opportunity is like bigger than i like initially thought and it's it's been really cool like getting to interact like some of these developers and like so far like not that many people have released a course i mean it's only been out for three weeks um so like uh but catherine um she's like at catherine codes on twitter she released this like regular expressions course and she made like 200 dollars like in a couple days and uh she she only spent i she spent like a weekend on it or something and like she doesn't have like a big twitter audience or anything she just like you know put it together and then all of a sudden she made like 10x the subscription price which was like super awesome to see it was like really cool but yeah and and it's been super fulfilling like seeing people like make their courses and like we have like a discord channel where like the authors like talk about like marketing channels and like how to promote the course and so like the the next step for slip for me is like one like i want to keep improving like the authoring tool so like having devs as like a customer base is like i feel like another superpower because they just like give the best bug reports and like they have like really good feature ideas and like 
they even they're like even like I will help you build it for free like just let me in and come in. <laughs> which I, I haven't done that yet I think that I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that I'd have to like pay someone <laughs> but they're they're so awesome and so helpful they'll like send like GitHub repos for like different libraries and stuff and it's it's been so cool but uh, so yeah the next real big step and I, I we talked to I talked to Noah about this, and I actually heard you talking about in the last podcast uh, about how we were talking about like how to build like these landing pages and stuff for like uh, the Slip authors. So, so right now, like when someone makes a course on Slip, like the course like lives on the Slip domain, and it's kind of like a marketplace, and like you can see like all the courses that have been built. But I really want to move more towards like the teachable model, where like you just have your own website, and like if you pay for like a certain tier, like people wouldn't even know it's like built with Slip. Um, so it's like, you know, because, uh, and, and the reason I want to do that is because I want to like empower developers to like, one, like make more in depth courses that they can charge more for, but also like to have like the same thing I have with Vim, which is like I have my own domain, like it's ranking in Google, it's making like more money, like it's something that's pretty passive versus like if your course lives like on a platform, like, you're gonna be like your price is gonna be anchored to other courses on the platform and stuff. So like with mm, you, like yeah. on Udemy, like everything's nine dollars. Like no matter what you charge for, like you could get a coupon for nine dollars. So it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, super cheap. So I could spend like two hundred hours building this like really awesome course or whatever, but I can only really ever make nine dollars per customer. Whereas like if you have your own like website and domain and stuff, like you could probably charge like ninety nine dollars or one hundred and fifty or whatever. And so there's a lot of people like having a lot of success like with that like the guy from uh, uh jack ellis from fathom like he has a laravel course that he made like 200 grand with last year and i think the price is like a hundred and something dollars yeah so it's kind of like the shopify versus amazon kind of way of doing it where it's like white label people yeah they really only have to know that that person made it they wouldn't know that it slips behind the scenes I, th I think that's a good way to do it. It, it kind of gets the authors on your side, right? Um, and like, I guess maybe you haven't gotten all that way, but I've still seen like your slip authors sharing about slip, uh, like in public and stuff and talking about them building on slip. And like, so people seem to still be uh, excited to kind of help kind of promote your platform as well, which is good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I'm biased because I'm the one who made it, but I think it does solve like a real problem in that it's like, it's hard to make like an interactive programming course, especially if you want like code execution, like in the browser. Cause it's like, you know, that was like pretty significant like work to get that going. And like, um, I, I, I'll definitely add like more features and stuff like in the future, but like right now it supports like Python and like four other languages. So like if you want to teach someone like Ruby stuff or Go or Rust like in the browser, like without having to have them like download and set up their environment and like all that high friction stuff, like they can just like run the code right in their browser. And uh, I think like the possibilities mm -hmm. on like that side are like really big. Yeah, so so let's get technical here for, for a little bit because uh, I feel like some people like to go into the weeds there and, and here. So like how did yeah, like what's kind of the the architecture? Like, how did you build Slip and make this all work? Yeah, so um, I guess like from a high level, the front end is React. I, I recently finished like a Next.js migration, which was definitely well worth it. Um, and then like the CRUD database is like a fast API database hosted on render. And uh, fast API is like a Python backend framework. 
Um, and so that's like, you know, what's writing like information to like the database and that kind of stuff. And then I have a separate thing, which is like the code execution service. And so that lives in AWS because it's like the, the requirements for it are like a little more complicated that that can be handled like on those like easier to use like deployment platforms. So like in general, I really love Render. I think it's like super awesome and I wish I could do everything there because it's like so easy to use. And uh, you could just like connect it to your GitHub account and like do automatic deploys of like services and like Docker containers and stuff like that. Um, but the code execution service, like I, I basically need the ability to spawn a Docker container inside the same host that the API runs in. Um, so the way that works is there's like a load balancer and uh, there's a couple EC2 instances and uh, a request is routed to one of the EC2 instances. And depending on what endpoint it is, it spins up a Docker container for that specific language. And it runs the execution and it returns the output and like metadata about that execution back to the client. And that's how it works. Yeah, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, and the other part about that that I think uh, makes a lot of sense to like roll your own like code execution if you're like building a platform for this because there there are plat like um, services out there that you can like basically buy code execution like as a service like via API. Um, so one is like you can control your costs. So like as this grows, like if you have your own infrastructure, like. You're not going to be like paying like this enormous amount to like some third-party API to run your code executions. Um, and another thing is that you have more flexibility. So like right now, like the lessons are all stateless. So like every execution like happens in a brand new Docker container. So you can do something like have a lesson with like multiple files, or that has to like you know depend on some other output or whatever. Um, it's like it's like a brand new file like every time you run the um, execution but in the future i want to set up like websockets kind of like a replit setup where you can have like these long-lived um like code executions and you could probably do things like teach git in the browser or like shell commands and that kind of thing so like do you think that all the things that you have to do for slip like do you think it scales in the in the fact of like that you can run this as a solo entrepreneur for like a while like when you look at all the things you have to do to kind of keep the business going like do you think you're gonna have to like start hiring some help or how are you thinking about that um i would love to hire help like if i had the money to do it i think like the possibilities are like very large and like the the cool thing about it too is like as you add like more capabilities like the potential like customer base is like much larger so like right now i've had like a lot of inbound about like hey can i build this type of course on slip and a lot of times i have to tell them no like this doesn't exist yet and they're like okay cool like ping me when it exists and so like <laughs> I, I i feel like if i could like if i could have like every programming language on there and like you know stay full uh you know lessons and like things like file support and like other things like that like it would just like open up the opportunity to a lot more people. Um, so with that being said, I, I've tried to build it in a way that like I can like sustainably grow it and like handle like what's going on like meanwhile. Like so the only like 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 I'm not like drowning like in support or anything and like my like servers aren't like falling over or anything like that. So it's like it's been pretty good. 
but I wish I had more time to like just like build more features and like you know do more things and like do SEO or do a blog or like build better onboarding or like any number of things like I think that there's like so many different like levers that can be pulled like if I had help I think it would grow faster for sure yeah so like what's the the plan I know you want to go full-time so like what's what's that gonna have to look like for you to be able to do that uh, so the plan like could happen like one of either like two ways. So like one way is like if I get to 10k MRR like solo, like I'll just quit my job. Um, another way would be like if I got angel investment. So um, I, I I probably would be open to like, either one. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean those are the two ways for sure. Cool. Well, I think unless Ben, you have any other thoughts, I think that's we've co- covered everything pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's been cool to hear kind of your journey and it's yeah it's pretty awesome uh what you've been able to do and it's pretty fun to follow along so people should uh follow you on twitter and to see see the action um and i I think you can learn a lot too from following people like you who are building kind of see what's going on what's working for them um that's where i feel like i you know i learn a lot nowadays uh from entrepreneurial business stuff so yeah, check out Kenneth on Twitter, and we'll have all the other links to his stuff in the, in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on, Kenneth. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Thanks, Ben. Even though you didn't really talk very much, I feel like me and Noah uh, hogged. Yeah, you, yeah, you guys, you guys were vibing. I didn't have much to add here. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just kind of like talk over Ben, and I have to kind of shoot myself in the foot later. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm trying to get better at that. Yeah, maybe so it's less awkward. You can just like edit out like all Ben's parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, Ben wasn't even here. We just we just edit him out. <laughs> it was out sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. All right.